Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Well, good morning, church family. It's Pastor Chris. As you can tell, I'm not with you this morning. That's because I'm serving over at Sabine Creek Ranch as an assistant spiritual director for Women's Walk number 280 of the Walk to Emmaus. But I know that you will be blessed by our guest preacher this morning. I'm excited to introduce to you Reverend Paul Maletic. Paul and I are good friends, and he has served at our annual conference as a deacon of the United Methodist Church for the past 13 years. But for a full 19 years, Paul has served as a youth director at Walnut Hill United Methodist Church, Rockwall First United Methodist Church, and recently at Christ United Methodist Church in Plano, Texas. Paul uh, loves uh, serving youth and families, and he has a passion for the local church. Paul is married to his bride, uh, Courtney, and together they love to kayak, to play board games, and hosting friends and families over just for fellowship. So I would love for you to give a nice Royce City welcome to the Reverend Paul Maletic. Well, good morning, church family. It's Pastor Chris. there at the end uh, just uh, I don't know just uh, he keeps going which is fun um, so uh, I don't know if his sermons are like that or not but uh, excited to be with you all today will you pray with me God we ask that the words of our hearts and the meditation of all our thoughts and minds be acceptable unto you our rock and our redeemer amen so it is so good to be here this morning. I was excited when Pastor Chris reached out about uh, uh, preaching with here. I admit I first expected Pastor Chris would be taking advantage of what often in ministry is called, uh, jokingly called, an associate pastor preaching Sunday. It's those, those Sundays after the high holy days like Christmas Eve or Easter or Frankly, the pastor's just wore out, right? And so just needs a break, takes, takes some time. And so I, I was a little impressed when I heard that he wasn't doing vacation, wasn't off playing golf somewhere. Uh, the first service told me he doesn't play golf. Is that right? Is that, so he's not. Um, so just uh, excited that he's off uh, on the retreat. If you've never ser- went on a Emmaus walk uh, I would highly recommend it. It's a great uh, three-day retreat, a great time to connect with your faith and to uh, kind of get everything sorted out in ways. And so uh, overall, I hope you all take uh, some time when Pastor Chris gets back to, to make sure he takes some time for himself. I'm, I'm sure you all had a wonderful Easter here th- last week. Um, so wanted to share a little bit about myself beyond what the video you might be looking up here wondering, why is he wearing the funny-looking diagonal stole? This isn't what our pastor wears. Uh, so because I'm ordained as a deacon in our North Texas conference, it's what kind of the sideways stole. W- why that matters is unlike our elders who are ordained to kind of order and lead the church um, as a, like a senior pastor, an associate pastor outright, instead I feel God calling me 
to be ordained to leadership within a specific ministry. And this could be all sorts of things. It could be work inside the church, work outside the church, anything from a community mission center to even being a music minister, children's minister. For me, I felt this call to serving youth and families in in churches, just like this one. Um, But enough about me. Um, Let's continue to share in the joy of Easter And I assure you all celebrated incredible ways last week. However, I find that especially since the journey to Easter through Lent just seems to take so long sometimes, right? Six weeks is a long time. Um, It's good to, in fitting, that we we take more than one week to celebrate Easter and the joy of that means. Um, Some theologians, in fact, say that we should celebrate Easter each and every Sunday we gather. And needs to say, I think that this Sunday after we should be able to boldly remember how Christ is risen indeed. So today's scripture will help us do just that. It takes place after Jesus' resurrection, before Christ leaves the disciples and ascends into heaven. It's a story you probably have heard before, as we heard in our children's time, the story of Thomas. Often, though, in our telling this story over and over again, I think it kind of marks Thomas in a way uh, that can be sometimes maybe unfair, this negative stereotype. Instead, I invite you this morning as we we hear the story again to try to hear with new ears um, and invite you to not just automatically assume you know what's going to happen or you know the attitudes folks are coming into the story. So I invite you to listen for the word of God from the Gospel of John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands in his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. It's the word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. So I'm curious, what kind of person are you? I think this story kind of highlights two different types of people that there are in the world at times. Are you someone that can just jump right in to whatever's happening? Maybe you find yourself unexpectedly at an impromptu party, a gathering. Are you somebody that can just go with the flow, shift into the new thing you didn't expect? Maybe something a little different when you come home and you find you have your neighbors there on the porch or maybe good friends that you weren't expecting to see, you haven't seen in a while. Can you easily just shift your expectations, your plans, and find yourself fully present with that new surprise? And then I believe there's everyone else. Everyone that has a hard time going with the flow sometimes. Those are not always good with this sudden change of plans. I know I find myself in that category sometimes. While though a youth minister for many, many years, I love new adventures and, and taking people on trips and things like that. But I find I also like being in control of those new adventures. I don't know how many of y'all can can relate, right? Sure, we could go to this sudden this party today instead of what we had, but I want to know who's going to be there? How long is this going to take? What, what should I expect when, you know, is there going to be dancing? Is there, am I expected to dance? What's, what's happening? I don't do very well with that new idea that I have nothing, no idea about what's going on. Maybe a way to think of this kind of divide between people is I think there are those people that would love that surprise birthday party, right? Even maybe not on your birthday. It doesn't matter. Let's go. And then those people that this unexpected surprise would be the, not a gift to them at all. And as we read our story, I can't help but think that the disciple Thomas would be in this later category. He missed that first time where Jesus came, and while classically painted as this doubting Thomas, couldn't get over himself to believe in Jesus, I, I wonder if he just had a hard time dealing with all the unexpectedness in this resurrection appearance. After all, right, Christ is coming back from the dead. Nothing about Jesus' visit when according to any plan that Thomas had. I can't help but imagine what drove Thomas to not be present in the room in the first place. Right, The disciples were locked together in that room out of fear. They had no idea what the Jewish authorities, who obviously knew that they had followed Jesus for many years, what would they do? Were they out looking for them? Their leader was just killed, no real pre pretense of why, and so they had good reason for, for being there, staying put, wondering what could or would happen. But then Thomas leaves. And instead of staying in that room locked in fear, he goes off. And of course, our scriptures, our Bible text, doesn't give us any details here, doesn't tell us why. Why would Thomas leave that safety of their community 
But I can't help but wonder if Thomas was doing something simple, maybe just like procuring supplies, going out for groceries. Maybe he was networking with others, trying to decide what are the Jewish leaders doing? Are they coming to get us or not? Either way, Thomas, I think, shows courage for not responding and just staying put and maybe hoping all will go away. But Thomas misses that big moment. He gets back to where the other disciples are hiding, and I just imagine the buzz from all the disciples trying to share and kind of talk over, well, Jesus came, you missed it, this was what happened. Trying to share what Christ shared with them. That change that happened in them from that fear and hopelessness being trapped together in that room to then this sense in the the experience of peace that Christ offered. The forgiveness that Jesus extended to them and invited them to extend to others. Jesus tells them, just as God sent me, I send you. In those moments, Christ was pushing the small group of disciples out in, in remembering that life of ministry that they had been about. The works of healing, the teaching, the reaching out that they had done during their time with Christ. And of course, we know Thomas isn't ready for any of this from the disciples. First of all, he's trying to get his head around what Jesus, Jesus is alive? What does that mean? <laughs> trying to figure out how Jesus came to them in a room he knew was locked. Trying to get straight this story of how Jesus, complete with the wounds, how did he can't come and talk to his scared friends and change them and give them this sense of mission and purpose together? And I think it was just too much new, too much of the unexpected. Thomas needed his own experience. Thomas couldn't figure out how to make sense of what he was told. Thomas needed to see Jesus for himself. I remember particularly one of my seminary professors. I went to Perkins at SMU. It was Dr. Jim Kirby, and I had this 8 a.m. class with him, which isn't always the best time to try to take in deep theological meaning, but I remember he, was, he would sit and kind of lean against his podium, he'd have his coffee cup in hand, and he would just kind of spout out these, you know, just different the- theological history and those kinds of things, and there's one way he would describe faith that has always stuck with me. He compared it to visiting a small town in Texas If I were to start to describe to you the downtown of Waxahachie, Texas, you know, I could talk about a lot of things. I could describe that historic square, talk about the shops that are there, could try to paint a picture of the beautiful courthouse that's there, the hub of Ellis County. I could share the facts and figures, the population size, talk about the middle schools and high schools there. And no matter how great or accurate or even long-winded my description is to you, it will never replace your own experience of visiting Waxahachie for yourself. And he, he equated this as, this is what faith is like. And it 
it can be really frustrating at times, right? We think about, we have this faith experience, we're trying to share it with someone else, but no matter how much we talk about it at times, it, it just, it's, it's our experience, it's not theirs. We can't provide that experience for them. And it's, it's right, it's God who does that work. True life change and salvation is the work of God. It's not something we can create in others. We can't create faith in others. But please don't hear my words saying then, okay, we shouldn't talk about our faith. We shouldn't share what we know in our experience. How else will anyone know about the beautiful downtown of Waxahachie if we don't tell them about it? How else will anyone know about what God is doing right here in this community, in this church here in Roy City, if we don't share? I like to think, going back to our story, that the disciples, in sharing their experience with Thomas, kind of gave him something to think about, made him stay and make sure he wasn't going to miss out. I'm sure he was, was churning it, thinking about it, thinking about what their experience would mean for him. And when Jesus came again, Thomas was ready. Thomas felt Christ's wounds for himself. Thomas saw Christ standing there in the flesh. And Thomas believed for himself. My challenge for us from today's scripture is how can we help create experiences of faith so that God can do what God does best? We know that faith is the work of God and there's nothing we can do to convince or force someone to take the plunge into believing. And yet there is work for us to do as a church to set the stage. Sometimes this is hard for us because I think at times we think our, the facts and our own faith experience as we describe it should be enough. What we tell and share of God's love should be enough to convince them you know, this is a place you should belong. And I would say for some people it is, it might be. But there are others that cannot hold on to that understanding of God's love until they experience it for themselves. So how can we facilitate others to experience the love of God? And I'm sure you are already doing this here at First United Methodist Roy City, already about this, already doing it. But for, as I think about it, for me, it kind of parses out in two different ways. Is how do we help ex people experience the love of God when, they, when they're here physically or virtually, when we connect as church, how do they experience that love? And then when we are out in the community, living, working, how do they experience God's love? What are specific tasks we personally need to bring to the forefront to help others experience God. Maybe it's continuing to gauge in mission and service activities that provide for people in the community. Maybe something you know, where instead of thinking about how am I going to provide for my family, how am I going to get food to the table, right? They have means of doing that where then they can think about what does God's love mean in my life. Maybe it's creating a space where this church can be seen and present in the community. How else will anyone know about this church if they're unable to see it 
in action outside of these walls. Maybe it's also just when folks come to this church, the simple act of how we greet them, how we smile, how we help them figure out which way to come and enter into here. All of these, I think, are ways that we can be a part of God's work of helping set the stage. I do not know the specific call God might have for each and every one of us, or even the this call that God might have for this community, this church. But I do know we have a role to play. How are we a part of others being able to see and experience God right in front of them, just like Thomas, right there in the flesh? How do we help make God real for others? May this be so in our work this day and every day. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.